How is everyone? Are we all good? Good. We're about to get into the message. So if you're new, this is where we uh, look at the Word of God and we see what is God saying to us um, through the message. So, by the way, for all of you who are new, I didn't get to say when we welcomed, but really, hey, massive welcome to you guys. And we really pray and hope that you feel at home here. But um, anyway, so someone said to me this morning that this is the first preach I'm doing as a married woman. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, I'm really excited because when God's presence is involved, he just unites everything. And from the worship to the prayers to what's been shared, even through the baby dedication, God's presence is here. And that's actually what I'm going to be talking about today. So praise God, because he knows what he's doing. But I have a question for you all. So turn to the people next to you, and you can discuss. But who here likes to go for a run? Who here likes to go for a run? Put your hands up. Who here likes to go running? We have a few runners, a few runners. Some people are like, yes, I love running. James at the back is like, yes. <laughs> Okay, who likes to go for a walk? Yes, my people, my people, walkers. Okay, who here doesn't like any type of physical movement? Any type of physical activity? A few people, a few people. All right. Well, personally, I'm like the majority of you guys. You runners are weird. Um, I like to go for walks, and I really just love to actually either go sunrise, sunset, and just see God's nature, and maybe put in a podcast and just absorb, you know, the amazing world that God created, actually. But I have to be honest, um, I haven't gone walking, I haven't gone running at all in a very long time, and it's just the season I found myself in. And uh, by the way, I'm not advocating that that's a good season. I do think physical exercise is very important. Um, but I ask this question about running and walking because it really got me thinking about our journey of faith. And recently, I don't know if you guys were here, when Pastor Matt, a couple of Sundays ago, he shared about a walk that he went on. Uh, recently, he went on this walk where God was telling him to, he was walking too fast. So, you know, I don't know what pace you do when you're walking, but yeah, like he was, Matt, if you know Matt, he's a quick walker, and God was just like, no, walk slower. And so he walked slower and walked slower. And then he, God was like, no, even slower. And it was like snail pace level of walking. And that really got me thinking about this question because. We as believers, I don't know about you in your Christian journey, but I've always heard from a young age that as a believer, we need to run our race, you know, run the race that's set before us, run with endurance. And I'm like, okay, so here we have God telling Pastor Matt to literally walk really, really slow, but as a believer, we're called to run our race. And so... I'm not just picking this out from random. This is an actual scripture, which is for us believers. And it's in Hebrews 12, verses 1. 
And it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders, every weight that slows us down, and the sin that so easily entangles and trips us up. And let us run with perseverance and endurance the race marked out for us. And so it got me thinking this question, God, are we meant to run or are we meant to walk? Because you hear that this faith journey is not a sprint, but a marathon. But me, as a believer who's looking at Jesus as my role model, and I'm praying to be molded and shaped more into his image, I look at Jesus and I don't really see him running. And yes, I do mean in the literal sense. And this question, I was looking at it for my own life, but I think this is a question for us today, to look at our own pace of life today. Because you see, Jesus has a pace that is unhurried, not rushed. Jesus moved with purpose, but never ran. There was this one time, actually, as I was studying for this, that I did see one scripture, like literally one, where Jesus, it says in Mark 10, 32, that Jesus was walking ahead of them. But generally, when you look at Jesus' life, you could argue that he seems to actually be running behind. Yet Jesus was always constantly walking from one town to another. And you could say to me, but Alex, it's and both. Are we meant to run? Are we meant to walk? Well, it's both. And yes, there is walking and running in our Christian life. And that's a great conclusion to come to. But even Jesus so-called ran his race. He had the most effective three-year ministry known to history. But did he actually run? No, but he was constantly walking forward in his mission and purpose. And this is a key thing. As we look to Jesus as our role model, I don't want you to miss this. He didn't run his life's calling, his purpose, with a to-do list, with a schedule, with a structure of this is what we're going to do at 9 a.m., and this is what we're going to do at 9.25, and this is what we're going to do at 9.30. It wasn't like strict like that. It wasn't like disciples, like we need to be here at 10 because this is what we need to do. No. Instead, he embodied and lived out of a closeness with his father. He constantly secluded himself to spend time with his father, and this is key. And I could stop here, and many of you might be like, oh, this is like a simple message, but that is actually the beauty. This is the key thing. It's the beauty and simplicity of this message, and it actually links with Zio Church's first value of closeness with Christ. Because like we experienced this morning together, we enjoy, I enjoyed that worship, and I wanted it to continue, let me be honest. Like, Two songs and then two songs. No, I want to worship. I just want to soak in God's presence even more because it's everything. Because if we really, truly got into his presence, our lives would really never be the same. And I'm not talking about, oh, that was nice. Church was nice today. We got sang a few songs, heard a few testimonies. I'm not going to walk into my week. Not really changed, not really transformed 
And we've touched upon it already. The Holy Spirit is everything. His presence is everything. I don't want you guys leaving today or any day, really, just feeling a little bit changed and a little bit happy. And No, but we actually need to encounter his presence so that we are fully sustained and transformed. Like, for real. When was the last time you really encountered his presence where that it just filled you up so much that you were just overflowing, never drained, never tired, but just so full of his presence. Now, bear with me. I do think, like, to-do lists, schedules, you know, respecting people's time, like, I'm not going to take up, like, four hours of your time today, but why not? Why couldn't we? But because we're in a culture where, you know, we respect people's time, But I wonder, does that actually really work for the presence of God? Because so many of us put that same way that we manage our daily lives and our schedules onto God and encountering his presence. Even this morning, there was a clear structure. We had worship. We had a baby dedication. You know, there's so much things we need to do. And I wonder, what about your own personal day Like, in the weeks, tomorrow, Monday until next Sunday, like, what does your personal time of worship and adoration look like? I remember one time we had an encounter, and it was like a vision encounter night, and we were there for four hours worshiping. And I remember the worship team and everyone in that room at the end, it just didn't even feel like four hours. We felt like we were there for, like, an hour Because when you get into God's presence, you just want more and more. One thing I've learned about Jesus is he doesn't operate on our schedule. And often he shows up when we least expect it and in ways that we never thought he would. So what are we doing? Why are we trying to control our time, our day, our, God, I'm going to slot you in here and... You know, I'm going to encounter your presence. I've got two songs to worship, and I just want to encounter your presence, like, because I've got other responsibilities and other things that are more important. Like, what are we doing? I heard this quote that God is at work in our lives, but rarely on our schedule. So, let's explore this tension further. Are we meant to run, or are we meant to walk? Because the Apostle Paul mentions running quite a lot in a lot of his letters in the New Testament. And he often uses running as a metaphor for living the Christian life. And this word that we read earlier in Hebrews, let us run with endurance and perseverance, is a verb in Greek called treko. And it actually means a person in haste or one one of those who run in a race course, okay? So that's the verb. So a person of haste, think of an actual race, not just you're jogging on a, you know, a Sunday morning or whenever you go running, like an actual, like, let's think, Olympic race. And then the metaphor here of this Greek word treko means a doctrine rapidly propagated or a metaphor taken from runners in a race to exert oneself, strive hard, to spend one's strength in performing and attaining something, which requires the exertion of all of one's effort to overcome. Okay, so 
I'm here and I'm reading this and I'm studying this and I'm like, God, like, I love you so much and uh, you're the best thing that like, has ever happened in my life and I want to I wanna do this. I want to run the race the, the, that you've called me to run. Like, but how can I, God? And I'm not really much of a runner and you know what, God, like, this faith life can feel a little exhausting actually at times and, and maybe you too here, you're running your race but you feel frustrated with where you're at. Maybe you're like, I thought I would have been married by now, or, yo, this relationship is hard. Like, is this the race that I'm meant to be on? Because this is hard. I don't know if I can persevere. Or maybe you feel like you're running alone. Or maybe you feel like you thought you were running, you're running this race, and you thought you would have reached a certain goal by now. Or maybe you feel defeated. I don't think I'm cut out for this race. I think I'll just give up now. Maybe you feel lost and you need clarity or the road is unclear. Like the race, the path that you're meant to be running down. Like, God, where am I even meant to be running to? Or maybe you feel an expectation as you run. Maybe you're one of those people who's like, yeah, let's go. Like, I've got this. And you feel energy, but maybe you're actually running ahead of God. And so let's look at this first scripture where Paul's talking about this race, because Paul's actually talking about athletes here, athletes running a race. And yes, you may not consider yourself to be an athlete, but this comparison is for us. And maybe we're getting confused about this whole concept, because I don't know about you, but when I, when every time I heard this scripture, I always assumed it was just like, keep running, keep going through trials, adversities, keep persevering. Like, I don't know why it's coming to me now, Finding Nemo, where it's just, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep going, just, you know. And yes, but no. Because if we actually look at the life of an athlete, they are not running a race all the time. No, they are actually training, they're preparing most of their lives to run one specific run. Athletes are running at a specific time in peak condition for a race. Maybe there's a few other races here and there, but they aren't running at full speed all the time. They rest, they eat, they prepare to focus on the call to run. So let's look at Jesus again. Okay, so he spent most of his years growing up. For those of you who don't know, Jesus, according to history and what we understand, started his ministry around the age of 30. And so from zero, from when he was a baby to 30, he was doing a lot of growing up. And the thing is, I'm sure his parents must have known that there was something special about Jesus. Of course they did. And that he was here for a specific reason. Like his whole existence was not just for nothing, obviously, but most part of his life was spent growing, the 30 years growing in character. And this created an opportunity for Jesus to make the right choices, to align himself with both God and men, so that at the right time, he would be in the right place with the right attitude, ready to run. And he was able to carry the responsibility of his call with wisdom and maturity. And so did Jesus run? 
Did he run the race set for him? Yes, he did. But he didn't sprint. He didn't run. He didn't work 20-hour long days. He prepared and trained for a three-year ministry that was just unreal. Three years. That's it. So I want to ask you, what is your race? What are you called to? We're all growing, we're all preparing, and God's got a specific calling on each and every single one of our lives. And what is it? If we look at this comparison properly, we as believers are to train, are to prepare, and go through the hard work to then be able to run the call on our lives and to be able to run at our optimum level. Behind the scenes, yes, we need to be dedicated, we need to be committed, we need to be disciplined to the training so that we can endure and run at full speed when the time is right. But usually, let's be real, I find that life runs us. We feel tired, we feel exhausted, we feel defeated, hurting. Some days we wake up, I wake up and I'm like, I don't really feel like running or training or staying committed or disciplined. And you may start running well. You, you may like, yeah, I'm, I'm committed, I'm disciplined, I'm running. But then slowly you start to slow down and can't keep the pace that you started off with. Maybe that's you right now in this room. Maybe you've been on this Christian journey for a long time and you started so strong and you're like, yes, come on, let's do this. But now maybe you're just like running, like not with that same enthusiasm that maybe you had at the very beginning. Or maybe you're running fast and some days you're running even faster. Or maybe you think running your race means doing more. No. Or maybe you're just running at a pace that is just too fast, full stop. I think what this Hebrew text is pointing at is less about running and more about what are we running for. And that's exactly what Fumi, when she came and gave a word, she said, what's the Holy Spirit for? You know, what is, why are we, why are we asking for this? Like, why are we doing this? So it's less about speed and it's more about direction. When we are at such a fast pace all of the time, it can be completely undirected. But rather, we are, as believers, to know what is marked out for us. And how do we do that? Well, we've been, we've been touching upon it all this morning, and that's getting into the presence of Jesus. So let's look at a few examples of Jesus. Um, just to look at this comparison of running and walking a bit further. So in John 11, there is this powerful miracle that takes place. Uh, I actually don't have my Bible with me. I was going to read it, but I left it at home. Not good. <laughs> so I'm actually just going to break down the story with you. This story is about the miracle of Lazarus being raised from the dead. And so here we have Jesus with his disciples, and he has his really close friends, Lazarus, Martha, and Mary, and they're brothers and sisters, by the way. And Martha and Mary send out news to Jesus, saying, Jesus, the one you love, 
because we're friends. Like, they're really close friends. These are not disciples that he picked. These are, like, his friends' friends, his homies, people he hangs out with, okay? And Martha and Mary say, the people that you love, the guy that you love, Lazarus, he's not well. He's dying. We need you, Jesus. We need you to come. And Jesus is, says this really powerful thing. He goes, yeah, okay, um, I recognize that. Well, he's not going to die. Death is not going to be the last thing that happens. And so this message gets sent back to Mary and Martha, who are there dealing with their brother, who's dying. And they're like, okay, great. So Jesus said that he's not going to die. A couple of days pass, and um, Lazarus dies. And then Jesus comes after, once Lazarus is dead. And the interesting thing is, Lazarus, uh, Jesus knew that Lazarus was going to die. Jesus knew that this was a dire situation. And yet, when the message came to Jesus, he chose to stay where he was for two more days. He didn't rush back. He didn't go back and say, oh my gosh, my friend, I need to be there. Like, this is, he's about to die, I need to be there. No, he, he ended up staying there for two days. I find that fascinating. Like, I would be like, like Jesus now, like, we need you now. We need you to come heal. Like, this is what you do. But we see Jesus not operating on our schedule. And that's because he knew his call. And he uses this opportunity to, to show it. He's not rushing to go and be there with his dearest and closest friends. But instead, he chooses to wait. He's not in a rush. Interesting. He does a similar miracle in Luke 8, where Jesus is asked to heal a dying girl. Jairus' only daughter, who's 12 years old, is dying. And in scripture, it says, they, they ask for Jesus, and Jesus goes, yeah, I'm coming, I'm coming with you. And Jesus went with Jairus. And this is the most amazing thing. In the story, as you read the story in Luke 8, something else comes up. And along the way, he is touched by another woman on his cloak, a woman who's been bleeding for 12 years. And Jesus stops to deal with this woman. While Jesus is speaking to this woman, now a messenger comes to him and tells him, Jairus' daughter is dead. No need for you to come, Jesus. You're too late. Like, if you'd hurried, if you didn't stop for this other woman, if you got here sooner, maybe she wouldn't have died. But yet you see in both of these miracles, in both of these stories, we see Lazarus with Lazarus, with the little girl, with the woman who was bleeding. Jesus had faith that God was going to heal even after two of them were dead. And it's because he knew his calling, because he was close with his father, because he knew that just because they were dead, it wasn't the final say. He didn't, you know, I'm getting ahead of myself. Wait, wait, wait. Let's, let, I don't want you to miss this, okay? Jesus was close with his father and made time to be in his presence. And because he didn't rush, this allowed him to be present. Okay, when we're doing our life and everything, how many times is it we get so distracted and we just don't feel present? 
But what Jesus models here is that in being present, he didn't miss an opportunity to care for someone. Even when someone else may have been hurting more, I mean, they were dying. When the woman touched him, Jesus stopped and saw an opportunity to care and lead her towards God. I mean, what an amazing thing, the Zio helping hands, opportunities, moments to actually be present and care for somebody else. In being present, Jesus could breathe. And he models on taking care of his own spiritual well-being so that he could meet the needs of those around him. Take a deep breath. Daily get close with God. Like really and truly get into his presence. Jesus had three years. Three. And he still didn't rush. He went where God sent him. And he let God do the rest. I just want to say, I don't know who this is for, but you will survive. But not if you can't breathe. Not if you're moving so fast that you can't see, think, or care for yourself. In being present, Jesus was able to set a manageable pace and work with intensity, but was able to maintain it. And in being present, he was able to keep his eyes open along the way and was attentive, keeping an eye out for a need and then meeting it when he saw it. He wasn't just like, oh, yeah, I'll come back to you, woman who's bleeding for 12 years. Let me just go heal this daughter and then I'll come back to you. No, he did it right there and then. Jesus saw the value in all people not just the one next up on the schedule. As I said, he stopped when a need arose and he brought healing every time and cared for everyone equally. You see, people will never hurt on your timeline, so you will need to help them on theirs. It doesn't fit in your life. Oh, this is a bit of an inconvenience. Oh, man, like... Yeah, I want to help you, but I'm like so busy. So how do we run our race? As I've said throughout, it's by doing what Jesus did. And that's often to seclude ourselves to spend time with our Father. Jesus got into God's presence. He created space and time to really encounter God. That is the only way that we can do this and be present and be attentive and be purposeful. Today, why don't you just let God whisper to you what you need to do, where you need to go, just the right next step he wants you to take. You know who else got this right? It wasn't just Jesus, but it was Mary. So I'm talking about the Mary who was the sister to Lazarus. Okay, so this is incredible. So we got sister Mary, sister Martha, and Lazarus, the brother. Now, I actually didn't know that they were related prior to me studying about this, because I always knew Mary and Martha as the two sisters. I didn't realize they were related to Lazarus. And the story of Mary and Martha is this classic one that maybe some of you here in the room know in Luke 10, 38, where Martha was distracted by all the preparations and she was busy doing 
and God was coming, Jesus was coming to the home, and Martha is just like, you know, like getting everything ready. And um, what was Mary doing? Mary was sitting at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. Well, this same Mary, that ta- she takes this exact same posture after Lazarus' miracle, okay? So Jesus points out twice what Mary does, and this is everything. Like, I love it in Scripture. He, he doesn't just, the words are not just on the pages for just random reason. Like, there is real point to them. He points out twice what Mary does. Firstly, with Martha saying, don't be concerned about all the household chores, about your schedule, about the pressures of life that throws, that comes your way, and they want to impose themselves as more important. No, do what Mary did, which was devotion to God. And then the second time, we see this amazing miracle of Lazarus. Lazarus, And what do the two sisters do? They prepare a meal to honor Jesus and be like, Jesus, this was an incredible miracle you did. Like, come a week later, come, let me make you dinner. Come so we can celebrate. And it's funny because when you read scripture, it says that, again, we see Martha serving and doing Lazarus is just chilling, like, bro, I was dead, and now I'm here. Like, I don't even understand how this has happened. And then Mary, where do we find her again? She's right at Jesus' feet again. And this time, what's she doing? She's pouring the most expensive oil, perfume, at Jesus' feet. This oil and perfume actually, like, equated to a year's worth of your yearly pay. I mean, imagine you putting a year's wages, just pouring it out in adoration because you're at Jesus' feet and you just know that here at his feet, in his presence, it's everything. Close with Christ is the posture we need to take in our walk, in our race. And when we're running our race, guess who's at the end? In that Hebrews 12 scripture, it says Jesus is at the end of our race with open arms, but he's also the source of all our existence and inspiration for even doing the journey to begin with. So if you are feeling weary, if you're not really up for running your race, well, I don't blame you because it's exhausting. And if you're already feeling tired, like... But actually, what you can do right now is you can create space in your life to encounter his presence and daily meet with him. The song we sang, All Who Are Thirsty, God put that on my spirit as well, before I even knew Tim that was going to sing that. And a couple of weeks ago, we were chatting about the song. And I was like, yeah, we should sing that song. God, I've been singing that. And he was just like, yeah, we're going to do it. All who are thirsty, all who are weak, Come to the fountain. It goes so well with this scripture, Matthew 11, 28, 29, that says, and we hear it all the time. I mean, for those of you who've been on this Christian walk, like we hear this all the time. It says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. We read this. We come to church. 
we dabble a little bit in worship and we hear a good preach, but have we actually got into his presence? And so right now, I'd love it if you could, before I said talk to the people next to you, this time I actually want you to talk to the people next to you. And I want you to discuss openly what might you do with this, what I've shared about running and walking and actually understanding Jesus' approach to running a race, which is not running at a million miles per hour. So, yeah, I'd like you to turn to the person next to you and basically discuss what might you do or what might you do to encounter his presence or maybe share ways that you love to encounter his presence. Or maybe you want to speak to the person and just be totally vulnerable and share the areas that you need to slow down in. So yeah, why don't you just for a couple of minutes turn to the people next to you and discuss about this. Okay, I can see a lot of you are still wanting to chat loads, which is great. Okay, this is really good. And we keep doing this, turn to the person next to you because we're actually modeling what we do with church generally. It's to discuss, it's to explore further, it's to do it with other people. And so, for those of you who are still talking, maybe you can talk once you grab a coffee at the end. Keep the conversation going. But I just wanted to conclude with this last thing. So as we've discovered, Jesus moved with purpose and conviction, but he never ran. And God refuses to skip or rush through something, but he invites us to be present to what he's doing here and now. And like the training time that Jesus did in developing and preparing for 30 years, for his three years, it's a reminder to us that real change is often slow. Like Jesus growing from a baby, or you guys, us growing from a baby, or like when a seed is planted in the ground, it's a process. But every day, we actually have the opportunity to get close and to encounter his presence. And if we do this daily, you will be led by God. And so this week, at the end of each day, if you lay your head on the pillow and you're like, oh, God, 
did I even get into your presence today? Like, for real, that's the challenge, okay? And you know what? There still might not be full clarity on the destination. You still might be getting into his presence daily, like, really good, like, yeah, I'm, I'm all surrendered here for you, God. And you still might, but you still might not get clarity. That doesn't mean that you're not being close with God or that you're not doing enough. No, don't put that as a comparison. It's not like you need to do more. You just need to get into his presence. And so let us rise a hunger and an urgency to just want to daily be present and get into his presence. Okay? And in turn, we'll be present to the people around us. And how transformative will that be through our lives, through our families, through our neighborhoods? It's literally an entire different way of living. The band, you can come up now uh, while we conclude. Uh, But I do have a final last question. And the question is, who are you going to share this with? And I just want to point your direction to another part in Scripture where we see this guy in the New Testament called Philip, and he was really present. And I'm going to share with you this story where he was really present. It's this encounter that he has with the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 8, 26, verses 40. And Philip, he had a clear distinction on his life, on his calling, and he knew when to run and when to walk. And he knew that he needed to be present daily. And he knew that he needed to be in God's presence. And so there was this moment in Acts where God says to Philip, Philip, run. And I don't know if you've seen that TikTok where it's like, run, dun, 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 Where it's like, oh my gosh, I need to run with urgency as if like something's chasing me, okay? And he was like, Philip, run. I need you to run to this Ethiopian eunuch, because you see, this Ethiopian eunuch, he's on a journey. He's so close to discovering me, but he's a bit confused about a few things. Run, go be by his chariot. Go stand right next to this chariot and share the good news. And so he literally ran, and he was good news to this Ethiopian eunuch, and he shared the gospel and straight away baptized him there and then. And I love that because, yes, we are preparing, we are training, we are getting disciplined, we're getting committed. But then there is a point in your journey where you got to run. Run and be that good news. So I want to ask you as well, like, are you in training or are you at the point where you can run at optimum level? You see, Jesus didn't run, yet he was always moving forward from one town to another as well. But he was always resting with his father. So turn to the person next to you again and just discuss, who are you going to share this with? Like maybe God's saying, like, I need you to share the good news to somebody. Or I think this is your time to run. Or maybe this is your time that you need to to rest a bit more, to train, to get stronger for what is marked on your life. Okay, so quickly turn, and then we're going to worship together. Uh, The band will lead us in that. But yeah, who are you going to share this with?